Video kill the podcast star. It would be Video. funny if like that does happen. Um, <laughs> I decided that I sound terrible in my mic. I'm trying to change that. Do I sound better? Uh, I mean, what do you mean you sound terrible? Like you just sound a little Skype wonky. That's all I can hear. I feel like I don't sound as full as I should. So that's all. Like okay. I, so okay. I'm sorry, everyone. I'm trying to work on this. Like I should sound as good as you, and I don't. And I, and I don't know why. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. Right. Yeah. That's that's boring talk. Um. Uh, how we doing? That shit out. We're good. Uh, I we, think we're good. Are you good? I'm good. We have a lot of stuff to to talk about here today. Yeah, we do. Is this, oh my goodness, we do. We do. We do. Is this? I think this episode should be released this week, and then the one with the great priest next week. Yeah. Okay. So, people, let me tell you. You are now listening to episode 163 of Catching Foxes. 162 was our interview with Christopher West. The day before we interviewed Christopher West, we interviewed Father Robert Spitzer, a personal hero of mine. I love the dude. Bishop Barron calls him one of the smartest people alive. Like, this guy is amazing. But just like Christopher West, you ask them a question, and then teacher mode comes on. And it's literally, although with Father Robert Spitzer, it was... uh, it was it was a solid twenty five minutes instead of a solid ten, and you just have to like buckle in and try to just stay up with them. Just, yeah, just and I and I was lucky. Yeah, I was lucky because I've read two of his books, and even I was completely lost because I am not a quantum physicist. Uh, so it, it was just it was just nuts, and I was like, please, oh my gosh, I almost knocked a beer into my keyboard. Luke, you don't what deserve. What is happening to my soul? Remove what the is, keyboard. Move the keyboard. Move the keyboard away. When you okay. Skype, there shall be no keyboard. <laughs> so let it be written in Gondor. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's funny is I've, uh, I've been listening to the audiobook ever since I became friends with the Twitter, Twitter, uh, Catholic Twitter person, T with Tolkien. Oh, yeah. I've, uh, I've been like, man, I really want to listen to The Hobbit. So I listened to The Hobbit, and then I was like, I really want to watch The Hobbit movie. Just kidding, because no one ever says that. And what if you think been. the Hobbit movies were okay, you're part of the problem. What could have been? I, I remember at one point in time during been. the film, I had a thought where I said, I'm like on a, on a screen again is Gan, Gandalf, that one guy who's in all those films, who's the elf that, uh, that I loved. Orlando Bloom? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, the other guy. Hugo Weaving? Who does he play? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As, Elrond? As, uh, I, I yeah. forget all these names. But it was all these characters. Yeah. Like, I used to love those films. And I was like, and I don't care at all. And that sucks. <laughs> like I remember being so and, like I and, should yep, love yep, this. I right hate now. this. I hate this right now. This is a uh, this is mm, not good. Mm. Uh Peter Jackson took a bit of sorry. Anyway, okay. That's you you had a point. No, he just real quick. We we got we got 2 minutes. Real quick. He had said in the Hobbit commentary, I think on the first movie, that this project was green-lighted and pushed so fast that they were literally writing the movie as they're filming it. Like they didn't have a completed screenplay. Mm. Which is kind and of so his mo, but like usually he has a, a completed screenplay, and they're always just trying to update it. Yeah. So apparently that didn't happen this time. Hmm. So uh, it was more just like they're just like actually like, having to do it on on the fly. Uh-huh. And he, the thing is, like, it's hard because you want to create characters. Because when I listen to the book, the character is Bilbo Baggins and the dwarves. Although not really all the dwarves, you know, just so many names: Gloin and Doin and. Flimple and Dimple, like, they're all silly names because The Hobbit was more for little kids. And you hear these names, and you're supposed to, like, kind of laugh and whatever, not take them seriously. But then when you make a movie, like, just do the YouTube video of 
them singing the Misty Mountain song. Uh, you know, it was like the serious, cool dwarven song in the beginning of the movie. Um, but just look at one of the guy's faces. He just looks like, I'm a cartoon. I'm not a person. <laughs> I'm not an actor. I'm a silly, silly cartoon. Pull my hair. So I don't know. I don't know. I hated the whole thing. All three of them. I watched all three of them in the movie theater to give it their due. And every time I left the movie theater being like, well, that could have been like 30 minutes long. <laughs> That's true. It's true. And, anywho. So Luke's writing a book. I think I think I might try to pitch a book. Okay. Now, now, now. Let, let's analyze this. How much have you written? Oh, not a damn word. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Luke. Oh, Lukey. <laughs> Flat Lukey. But I have checked out what are what are author our royalties though. Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> it depends. It depends, but did you see what Nathan Mack on our So ladies and gentlemen, Luke wrote should I should Luke pitch a book to Ave Maria Press and set up a uh, a poll on our Patreon page? And then uh, Nathan Mack wrote down, Ave Maria Press, you already have a platform with your podcast, Twitter, website, hire a decent editor and shell out for a decent cover, then self-pub that bad boy to Amazon. Maybe use Ingram Spark for print, or but create space is fine, too. I think that's Amazon so property. That's not use a bad all idea. your Catholic New Media buddies right. to do a virtual book tour and keep all your royalties. That's what I would do. What are your thoughts on that? That's not, that is a very, very good idea. Uh, however, I did... Check that out to do what I, to do what I would need. You're talking anywhere from like five to ten thousand dollars, and we're buying a house, so homeboy doesn't have five or ten thousand, five or ten grand to drop. So I'd rather <laughs> homeboy I, wants five or ten dollars, <laughs> five or ten thousand dollars, not to spend five or ten. Yeah. So and and, and I'm again, I, I if if uh, this were to be so, perhaps this is a thing that I just like wait it, that I just like wait it. You know, I wait like one year to do, but I, I think I have a really good idea and. uh I um, I'm not opposed to the independent thing, but uh, I it's a little bit too much of a risk. And I I mean I, I um not that um, publishing a book is easy. I'm not trying to say that, but I do think this idea is good enough that it's either I think it's worth at least doing like an actual um, a pitch. And so and if it were to work out, I I, mean, I so that is just that is a really easy way to say. I feel very. Uh, confident in the idea and in my um, ability to kind of like write but i i i want to have another i want to have another person to really help me i really want that like editing process as well and i think if i were to go independent you're having to pay a um, a whole bunch of money to have a person to help to not just you know check your grammar and stuff but to really help you um, develop the ideas and whatnot that's like you know that's that's the real expensive part yeah so it's not a bad idea it's just like if Again, I really think this is a good idea, and I would like to have my hand held if I'm going, if, like, it does happen. And that's kind of the trade-off. So if, if this was book, like, five, not that I'm planning on doing that, but if, let's just pretend that this was book book uh, five. I probably would. But this will probably be the one and only book that I'll do, and I would rather have some help with it. Mm. Mm. Okay. Okay. So, again, good idea. I'm just not there yet. I literally have like four outlines of books written and I've never written a single <laughs> one, which is so difficult. It is so difficult to make that connection from. Mm-hmm. But OK, so here's the deal. So Ave Maria or Ave Maria uh, Ascension Press, when I did the um, the videos for them, Radical Communities, when I did that, 
uh, I had to stay up every, or wake up every, every morning at 5 a.m. and write. And about a week and a half, maybe two weeks ago, I realized I had to start getting back into that uh, for RCI. And I realized, holy moly, I haven't written an essay, like a 2,000-word thing, in a long time. And I was writing a consistent 2,000 words every morning, which is a lot. Like, usually they say shoot for a five to 700. And I was hitting... Um, yeah, I was I was hitting about two thousand. It was a good stride. Now, obviously, not all of that salvageable, um, but oh man, I was on a roll. And then I started writing again, and very quickly, you know, I could crank out two or three pages, single space, you know, um, pretty coherent stuff pretty quickly. And so um, I, I'm just going to dedicate myself to that. Like I, uh, but man. Man, I am reading so much. I feel like every time I pick up a challenging book, I know nothing. Mm. Like all my years of philosophy and theology, I know nothing. Ooh. So long, college de- college de- degree, which we need to get to, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are those noises? What are you talking about? Uh, you don't know? Are you talking about the craziness going on of Franciscan? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about degrees or something. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> just our, just mm. the school that we, that like we almost, that we love and adore, and we hope she sponsors us one day. <laughs> just kidding. One more dawn, one more day. They don't one like, day more. <laughs> they don't like the fucking cursing, so they're not going to sponsor the show. <laughs> but they like what we're doing, and they, and they support us in spirit. Yeah, and with it's so downloads. Funny. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, yeah, so yeah. you, you want to write more, but you're like, wow, this takes a lot of work. And it does. It really, really does. Yeah. Yeah, you got to get into the rhythm. Like, it is. It, it's, it's just like uh, comedy. When we talked about comedy, like, you have mm-hmm. to crank it, right? There's just no, there's no other thing. It's not like, hey, I got a great idea. Boom. Great ideas are great because you're not doing anything. You know? So that's what, uh, yeah, yeah. So I've I've been I've been I've been putting my hand to the plow. I've been plowing forward. I've been doing things, man. I released a huge essay for those who are thirty dollar more donors. A huge essay on uh, Patreon on uh, basically like a how do you preach sacraments to evangelicals? Hmm. So take that. Interesting. Yeah, I released I, that about a month ago. It's from my um, my uh, prison ministry stuff. I think I'm going to. I I really like the interactions we can have with people on. On Patreon, I think I'm gonna do less stuff on Twitter and more on the Patreon because they just seem way more like I don't know. It's weird. I just kind of like had this idea of like, why am I talking with people who don't want to hear me? (laughs) Why am I talking to people who literally hate me as opposed to people who are literally giving money? Yeah, I'm like, I I just so uh, we still got to work out the kinks in terms of you know. um, Yeah, I like what you've done, but yeah, I'm really I'm you've done. Thank you. Yeah, so I'm gonna try to. My goal is at least once a day, every day. I'm gonna go on there and just you know interact i have a uh, so also fun announcement can i tell them about our new podcast idea yes 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 so uh we're gonna do a thing yeah. called catching foxes b-sides where uh there's gonna be these like one-off episodes where we maintain the catching foxes ethos of discussion over instruction but we're kind of we're gonna kind of abandon not like as a whole but just a, a bit the the intersection of faith and culture so uh, they could be just us 
you know, so I think this is where we'll put Catching Foxes, Um Ruins, other movies. Um, if we want to talk about like economics, for just like a whole podcast, you know, yeah. Uh, if you wanted to interview an economics professor and not bring up the church because it just doesn't fit what what we're like talking about, um, is going to go on there, I think. And I just recorded an interview with a guy named Bobby Warshaw who writes for MLS, uh, which is with which is Major League Soccer. He played uh, in in MLS for a couple years and out and out in Europe as well. And he wrote a really really great book called uh, "When the Dream Becomes Reality," uh, just about his. You know, he was. It's just kind of about like here's here here is what it's like to be a pro athlete who's not the big star on the team. It's your everyday guy who's there, and it's a phenomenal book. We had a really great. We could have gone for like two to three hours, but I really wanted to respect his time so it's only about an i was only about an hour long i'm gonna put it up on patreon here soon but i couldn't do it through my ipad because it kept crashing so uh when i would try that so i have to do it on my computer which means i have to get you to help me log in so it'll be up there soon just the like on the like unedited version and then we'll have yeah no 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 i I plan on editing i'll trim the front and the back and slap the song on oh are you sure no don't do that i I feel bad You, you don't have time to do that are you sure? Oh man, I'm gonna do the shit out of it because I also got a really good graphic for it. Oh, good, cool, yeah. So, um, I'll I'll give you all of the show notes. It, it was good. a real. I kind of wish I could have had you on there because I think I mean we went deep into a couple like soccer things, which is which was so great. I mean, I walked away from that on cloud freaking nine. <laughs> it was so amazing. It was like it. It was and you know like this is an interview I could not have done two years ago. I think I needed to have like you know two like actually three and a half years of chops to be able to go in and podcast about this stuff. But it was so great to just do a podcast on a soccer for an hour. It was amazing. That's awesome. That is awesome. And for those of you who aren't Patreon supporters, if you give ten dollars or more a month, so that you can give any amount you want, if you give ten dollars or more, um, you get access to the first like real tier, and the first tier is. Um, the first tier is essentially we push out, not secret, but Patreon-only episodes. They're usually 15 to 20 minutes long. We'll throw in things here and there. Um, typically what we try to do is we'll wrap up a show and then go another 20 minutes, 20, 30 minutes, and then we'll drop that um, if, if we get to that. the One of the, the last 10-minute topics that we did, I cut out about four topics and then drop them each topic through like within three days of each other. I would drop them like one every other day or something like that. Um, but it was funny. So one was like two minutes. Another one was 10 minutes. Another one was five minutes. So they're, they're all sorts of different stuff. So right now we're going to do is if you want to get catching foxes, B sides, see to me, Luke, what you're saying is what I almost feel like father Robert Spitzer's thing needs to be. Mm. Oh, right. Like, doesn't that feel idea. like a yeah. B side? That might For not me? be a bad idea. Just, just oh. because it so goes, I mean, not like it just um, yeah, it, it doesn't fit like a regular episode because it's really just this guy just going and going and going and it's just being like, holy crap, back up. You, you like, who was your teacher? <laughs> and then that, yeah. then he goes another 10 I mean, minutes. come on. Father Robert Spitzer went to Gonzaga when Joseph Pieper, Bernard Lonergan, and who was the third guy? Some other person. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I'm not even going to pretend both, like We I'm both, not. like, really almost like Peter Pant when he said, when he uh, said, I'm Joseph Pieper. We were just, we, yeah. like, we stare at each other through Skype. And we're like, what? <laughs> what? Oh, man. That's awesome. And Christopher West. Okay, so let's talk. Can we talk a little bit about the feedback? Follow yeah. up. Follow up. But sure. This is the part of the show where we do follow up. Um, 
So one of the things with the Christopher West interview is it is very difficult to get a word in edgewise to a man who not only is a teacher and a preacher, and he is super passionate about one specific subject. So typically, you know, on our show, and me and you said this to each other right after the interview, we were like, you know, I hope that's good. However, it felt like it didn't feel like a normal catching foxes where it was like an interview. And I kind of felt like that was going to happen. So my goal was let's just interject wherever we can. Yeah. And my hope was by saying kind of absurd jokes <laughs> that we'd make them laugh and make them pause. And then, you know, because um, one of the things I, I think that we did a good, good enough job, like the criticism of him is that he over sexualizes theology of the body. And you asked that very, very bluntly, or it does feel like some things are about sex and some people are idolizing it. Um, one of the people on Patreon wrote very specifically, I've been turned off by him lately because it feels like he's reaching a bit far to make everything about sex. Uh, but hearing him in the more informal sec- setting of a Catching Foxes interview makes me want to give him another go. I really enjoyed this episode. And I really liked it, too. I felt like, like, I did feel that push of, like, all right, man, everything is, everything's penises and vaginas. <laughs> right? That's that's what I felt. Did you feel that way? Yeah. It was a little, like, uh, um, I, um. The pollen, Luke. Now testify to the pollen. It's like, oh, man, there's, like, where you're going with this. I know, man. I, there was, the, uh, okay, people, when we say this, I knew that Luke had to be feeling the same way. I know. But I. <laughs> I was like shaking, restraining myself from all so, the dirty jokes that popped dirty, into my head. Dirty, dirty, and, uh, dirty things. Like the whole time we made this <laughs> thing about like, you know, like with, as a sperm and the egg, one of like five million. I was like, my poor mom, my poor, poor mom is hearing this. <laughs> now, it's also incredible. Yep. I, 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 um, I don't necessarily agree with him that. This is the key to unlocking, like, the current crisis. But I do think it is a profound example of the split between grace and nature. That's really what yeah. he was. And I, I wanted to go down that road. Like, cause I, I can see how this fits into um, the Balthasar's Anima Technica vac, Vacua pretty well, actually. Um, this whole just, like, oh, a divorce from, just, like, the great um, divorce from, from uh, being. That we and like being as in not like I'm just like one with myself, but as in like who I am um, yeah. with reality, honestly. Yeah, and so that's why I brought up the Plato Platonist thing. So for those of you who don't nerd out over philosophy, to boil it down to its most simple thing, Plato believes spirits are the most important thing in the spiritual world because that's an immutable or unchanging world. So for him, everything was being, and so when he turns his philosopher mind from this world of unchanging reality, that's being. And then he looks at the world of decay and death and change, mutableness, and he says, that's not being, that's becoming, right? It's becoming one thing, and then it's always in the state of going from one thing to the next. So he denigrates the life of the flesh and elevates the life of the spirit. And you can see where that's very appealing to Christianity, right? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And put to death the deeds of the flesh and all that stuff from Christ and St. Paul. But that being said, it to go the full Platonist route is to detach yourself from the Jewish route, which is not there's some weird 
god-like being called the demiurge that made matter um, and decay and becoming. No, it's that the all-good and perfect, immortal, eternal, infinite being, the act of existing, he created everything. So the body, so the more platonist we become, the more the more angelish we become, and that's what Chris started. Ta- Christopher started talking about, and then we went down the theology of body lane, and then I brought it back a little bit later to that. But that notion of we are not angels was that before or after the, the car part? Yeah, <laughs> he's not even in the room. How many people are grossed out by that man? <laughs> Yes, I was thinking that the entire time because of my previous struggles, my woundedness. I'm sorry. I'm sneaking to edit that out. (laughs) I'm not going to edit it out. I'm going to put shame on you, Luke. I'm going to put shame on you. Betsy, Betsy. (laughs) What was the line that Betsy's? Well, I'm not sure about T.O.B. yet. At least how sexual Christopher West is. I love the way you all made jokes with perfect timing. He just rolled with it like a pro. It was great. So funny. Helped us deal with the awkwardness. (laughs) (laughs) Luke, you're a monster. Gosh. All I wanted to say that entire time when we were talking was like, he was, I thought he was going to say like, look at the, the semen of the trees. It's all over everything. And I was like, oh, come on, man. But then he pivoted it and said it with human levels of respect. To which I don't know how he did that. But, you were uh, like, making such a great point. And I was just like, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. There was a pause and I was like, yeah. So, just edit that part out. No, no, Luke. But the great thing is, me desperately trying to save this, I should just let it burn. The great thing is, Last night, okay, so at my church, we are we brought in, so it's the two-year anniversary of the canonization by Pope Francis of St. Jose Sanchez del Rio. Are you familiar with him? I am not. Would you provide a brief explanation? Yeah. Um, in 1926, so in the 19-teens, Mexico revamped their constitution, removed the Catholic Church from it. 1926 to 28, there was the Cristero War, where President Calles tried to uproot the Catholic Church, confiscating land, uh, shutting down churches, and then uh, peeking at murdering priests and religious. I think he killed about 40 of them. Then a what was initially a peasant revolt, the last peasant revolt in Mexico, uh, was a Catholic revolt. It was funded by the, um, the wealthy urbanites living in the city. They sent the cash money and weapons out to the country. And then the wealthy in the country and all this stuff armed themselves, and they fought a three-year-long war. And one of those was a young boy named Jose Sanchez del Rio um, in his Mexican town. He uh, helped join the war, join the battle, all this stuff. He was a flag bearer because he was only like 13 at the time. He's 14 years old. The federales have overwhelmed them. His general gets his horse shot out from under him, so the boy courageously rides out and gives him his horse. And then the boys ends up getting captured. He gets brutally tortured in prison so that he will renounce Jesus Christ. And when, one of the things that they do is they slice the bottom of his feet over and over Oh, he's again. that guy. Yeah. Oh, then yeah. they make him march across town. And every oh, block, the boy would scream out, Viva Cristo Rey! Long live Christ the King! And then after a while, the guards couldn't take anymore. So they took the butt of his rifle and smashed him in the mouth and it broke his jaw. So now this kid has gaping bloody feet, a broken jaw gets to the grave he knows he's going to be killed 
And then they stab him like six or seven times. And then they say, renounce it, say Jesus is dead. He says, viva Cristo Rey. And they put a bolt in the back of his head into the grave. And that's it. Um, and I can't wake up early enough to pray. I am scum. Go on. Yes. So let that be an edifying lesson to you. So fast forward to uh, 10 years ago. Little girl. Uh, mom conceives her. High-risk pregnancy. The doctors warn the border. The daughter's going to be born with birth defects. They tell her to abort, abort, abort. She refuses. She refuses. She refuses. Said it violates her Catholic faith. Then uh, they say she's going to be born with Down syndrome. All these complications. She's born. Doesn't have Down syndrome, but has a whole bunch of issues. And then it looks, and then she contracts pneumonia. They think she's going to die. Put her in a medical coma. And the doctor says to her, basically, she is, uh, what was the line that they said? Uh, Hug her one last time and say goodbye. So she hugs her daughter and then prays to Jose Sanchez Del Rio, who at that time was a blessed, says, please, please, please. They're from the same town. Please heal my daughter. Um, Within 24 hours, her daughter, her, her daughter's brain was dead. Within 24 hours, she has like 90% function of her brain. So the cool story is she was at, she's at my church right now. The daughter, the woman that was healed. So it's the daughter, the mother, and the grandmother. They're all at my church. So it's their testimony. We have a bunch of teens called, oh, I'm not going to say in Spanish, teens from Mexico. And uh, they're up. They're awesome group of kids. And um, we've just done a series of events here. They're taking the kind of show on the road. And we have first-class relics of San Jose. We call him Jose Lito, little Jose. And so here's a cool story about it, right? So the devil's advocate was a doctor who was to examine the medical records. And he went up to the mom, and the mom, he's like, well, what's your goal? And she says to have uh, San Jose up on the altar. And he said, I have been involved in uh, 36 cases, and all 36 I have proven are not miracles. This will be 37. So he goes out, and he examines the medical records, and he kept saying, you're playing a joke on me. These are the medical records of someone who can't walk, can't talk, can barely even think. Like, this is not real. And so the hospital multiple times re-verified and re-verified. And then he walked up to the mother. And I, I don't know if he was upset or if he was joyful, but I think he was upset. Um, and he said, looks like you can take your boy to the altar. <laughs> or put the boy on the altar Ooh. or something like that. Meaning... That I, he said, I'm, I'm officially ruling this beyond, beyond human explanation. How cool is that? That's awesome. That's really so, cool. I got to, so I got to meet a little uh, Jimena. And then the next day, because I'm a white male who is uncomfortable with even shaking hands, um, when I met the lady from, who runs our, our group, El Camino, which is the greatest name for a Spanish group at a church, um, she came up to me and she said, oh, Michael, I have to tell you, Jimena is a little upset at you. And I was like, what? What'd I do? What? What? And she said, this was so funny. She goes, oh, I have two problems with that guy. Number one, he didn't kiss me. How come he didn't kiss? He stayed far back and, and barely even shook my hand. Why would he do that? Because they kiss. Luke, everyone kisses if they're in Hispanic culture. Do you kiss, Luke, when you say hello? Oh, all the time. Strangers. I, no, seriously. No, not, not at all. <laughs> seriously, beggars, well-wishers. I like half as you, half as well as I ought. <laughs> Have you, do you ever kiss women on the cheek? Do you do you ever do the kiss the whole, on the like, cheek? Like what you seen like like uh, old um, old movies and stuff? Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, no. 
when you meet women, it's either a handshake or a hug, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, it'd be super never awkward if I would just, like, I'll walk up and kiss a woman on the cheek. What about the pressing of cheek to cheek, which I learned very, very Cuban when I was in Miami? Uh, cheek to cheek with a kiss of the air. Mwah. Nope, never done that. Mwah. Man. So I feel like I always feel, and I'm like, oh, no, I'm around Latinas. What do I do? Shake their hand. Maintain your distance. Hi, puppy. So I don't know what to do. I'm a mess. So and then the other thing she said, he talks so fast. How come he doesn't speak Spanish? Only Spanish people should talk that fast. <laughs> That's what she said about you. I gave the, yeah, I gave awesome. one of the. I gave the first talk that kind of kicked off all the events, which you can find at SoundCloud.com slash AMD Gomer. So, anyways, uh, that ends our <laughs> Christopher West thing, right? Long story Shit, short, man. <laughs> yeah, we. How about those tangents, huh? Uh, no, but that. Oh, so yeah, yeah, that was a really huge freaking tangent. But the whole point of the tangent was we had his bone. And a bunch of high school students are there for the life night and that I was giving the talk on. And so my first words were directly inspired from Christopher West. I was like, nice. nothing proves that Catholicism upholds the dignity of the human body than our veneration of the relics. Mm-hmm. Right? We are not angels. We are not mere animals. And no, I did not say we are. What did he What was the line he said? We're not angels. We're not. Was it be animals? We're not angels. Yeah, yeah like I was like, what? Yeah. But I, I was <laughs> what, going What the hell is wrong with you, man? Have you been in the sun? <laughs> no. So, anywho, I used it immediately. Wow, man. I told the whole Jose Lito story and then just gave, like, 30 seconds to make the connecting to you there. <laughs> Whoa. So, Luke, what do you want to talk about? Is this the show? Uh, It sure is. It Are you sh- drinking anything? Yes, I'm drinking. I am uh, have some bourbon, and I'm done with that. And then I've got <laughs> some water. And I'm drinking that. Oh, water. And Water's for chumps. Hey, uh, we have an ad. No. We have an ad. Are you ready? No. For this? Wait, wait, wait. Someone contacted you, and you gave them a fee, and they are going to pay us to do a minute commercial. They are. They are. All right, Luke, I'm going to see if you can keep it to 60, 60 to 90 seconds. Here we go. Gilmer, what if I were to tell you that... Andy Go on. Ilsneski and Brian Kissinger from Share from sorry hashtag Share Jesus. Jesus. We're gonna do a Share Jesus podcast where every day. Wait, 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 wait. You mean competition? I would say to hell with them. <laughs> but go oh, no. on. I agree. But uh, but check yeah, out. No, no actually, this is a be very awesome. cool idea because it's not like it's not like ours at all. At, at, at all. In fact, it's much better because it has Brian. Brian, who we've tried to have on here like multiple times, but it's never worked out because I never, never followed up with him, and he wasn't able to do it the one time that I wanted him to be the co-host. Actually, the two times. Tangent. Anyways, anyways, <laughs> anywho, Andy Inglesneski and Brian Kissinger from Share Jesus are going to do the Share Jesus podcast, where every day they're going to have two to three minute reflections on the mass readings. From that day, so every day, two to th- two to three minutes in your car on your way to work. I think that fits just about everyone's commute. Check this out; I'm very pumped about it. Share Jesus podcast. It's on iTunes, uh, where you where you can get all is, of your podcasts. Is it on now? Yeah, yeah. They've they've just they've Whoa. they've like I think they've done it like the first month. It's just up. So like right now, until like mid November, 
They've got all of them up. Uh, uh, these guys are two very, very good buddies of ours. I used yep, to um, live with Brian. Uh, he's, they're just some of my favorite guys, and I think I'm really excited about this because they've got really great insights. Um, and if, if, you've, if you've enjoyed any of the Share Jesus videos that have been a thing now for a, um, a couple of, of years, you're going to like this podcast, the Share cool, so Jesus Podcast. Share Jesus Podcast. Nice. Good job, yeah. Andy How about that? and Brian. Andy and Kissinger getting into the podcasting game. Hey, guys, I'm really excited to talk to you about this Jesus. This is great. I'm a business major, and all I ever do is ministry. I, I'm going to do this thing. Maybe I should have listened to Gomer. You should all just, like, <laughs> stay up and, like, hang out. But I'm going to go to bed. But this is going to be great. I really wish I listened to Gomer my sophomore year and switched my majors to theology so I know actually what I'm talking about. <laughs> Hashtag share Jesus Puck. <laughs> uh, Kissinger. You know, the great thing about those two guys is... They are both very, 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 very good ministers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They do the work of the church, right? These are not people who are sitting in some ivory tower behind with their nose in books. In fact, I don't even think Brian knows how to read. So this is people who actually bring the light of Christ to to people. So it's good. And I was was actually listening to one episode in the old bathroom. And I forgot how much I how much I just miss hearing Brian talk about uh, talk about uh, the Lord. So I've stolen a lot of his lines to do stuff in the past. So Brian is a, <laughs> Brian is a good man, and he is as well. I miss them both. Brian actually got me yeah. really great glasses for you got me uh, the bourbon glasses mm. that I use when um, I drink bourbon. So got that for me for my wedding. So thanks, buddy. Uh, so one of the things I want to bring up right now is um, you did a great job filling in all those emails that I somehow neglected on our Patreon page. And one of them I thought was a really great comment from a priest, Father James. Mm. And he says, um, uh, and, and I love this, and this isn't the first one who said this, but um, this is a different perspective. So he said, I found the first one or two episodes after the scandal broke to be not as uplifting as I normally find your show to be. However, the last episodes have been, in my opinion, the spirit of catching foxes that I enjoy listening to every week. Um, besides that, just grateful for people like you guys talking real. Now, I thank you, Father James, for writing that. You're awesome. Um, and I wanted to. I, do you do you agree with his assessment? Now we've got a lot of over from lay mm-hmm. church workers. We got a lot of overwhelmingly sympathetic, positive. Yeah. Yeah. comments about those early episodes but what what do you think about i am i i have what i want to say what do you want to say about father um, james's comment about those first two episodes i think uh okay so this would be like after the after the scandal yeah like our grand jury one yeah yeah i'm i'm glad that you brought this up um so i think this is and i'm of course this is uh this guy's a priest so you know he's he's in the thick of all this and has to and his experience of this is probably much more pro it's probably much more mm. profound than mine um but i will say i think for a lot of people who work for the church it really isn't until like right now or so probably within the like last two weeks that it's become just like okay this is the like lived reality now that we really have to deal with i think a lot of like a lot of like the, just the pure horror of it has um has worn off um it's still yeah. i mean it can come out pretty easily i got uh I got choked up talking about this during a talk I gave two weeks ago. So, you know, it's still like right there. 
but I think it took I think it took some time for it to um, for people to be able to like um, just to live with it and to be able to live their every their like to not have an impact their everyday lives. I was like a walking zombie for about like a week or so. It's it's all I could talk yeah, about. Two two weeks behind in our work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I, I I think he's probably right, but I think there's no way we could have been anything but that either. What do you think? So I would this I I think 100% he's 100% right. Like I am in full agreement. The first two episodes coming out of the scandal were not uplifting at all. They were frustration and rage. And I think from my perspective as a layman working for the church, so much of what we lay people do, and this is how I understood being a youth minister, how I how I currently understand being an adult faith formation person, is I am a living extension of the pastor, right? I carry out the Lord's will, carry out the gospel message, and I carry out the specific understanding of how that's being implemented in our church according to my pastor's vision, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but there have been plenty of times in my past working where I feel like I'm carrying the priest's water. Now, I don't mean in terms of the sacraments. I don't mean in, in a lot of the ways that I completely do not notice as a layperson. But in the ways that touch on my job, there have been so many times where I'm like fighting and sweating and bleeding and dying. And especially when I was like in Austin and, and other places and some of my gigs where you just see like, oh, here comes the parish mission guy. I don't have to do anything tonight, right? And you see this constantly where the clergy, it, it, and, and this is for people who do not see their priesthood as a vocation anymore, but as a J-O-B. Like that's the sense I get, like the careerism, that what they do is they very easily check out. And it's like nine to five kind of thing. Now I'm not saying... Father James is doing that. Not even, not even an inch. I don't know anything about his ministry. But what I'm saying is the frustration of church workers who are on the front lines and they're watching pastors and priests and they're hearing stories around the diocese of priests who are really like, why am I going to comment on this? This has nothing to do with us. And it just like rips your heart apart. And so he's 100% correct. I, it wasn't uplifting because I had no, I had nowhere to lift anyone. You're doing so much hard work and behind the scenes, Mm -hmm. these men are burning it to the ground and you're like, son of a, I just built that yesterday. Right? Like, yeah. And then it's like all crumbles. Like, you know, yeah. Have you been paying attention? No. And so like, I mean, yeah, no, no, you go. No, 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 no. You're fine. I'll wait. I was just going to say the hard part was like, I work under Cardinal DiNardo. Right. So like in terms of diocesan stuff, Mm -hmm. but he's also the president of the USCCB. So anything that I mean, I hear all this commentary on Twitter and Facebook and on blogs and all this stuff, just heaping scorn and criticism on the USCCB. And so they're coming after my guy and I like Cardinal DiNardo. So at the same time, like there is this layperson frustration that the clergy receive in a different way than lay people. And I'm just really frustrated with the sex abuse scandal and every day I encounter different things. So for instance, I'll have one group of people tell me, okay, so now that we have all this clergy scandal, now that it's all laid bare, can we finally get rid of the Novus Ordo mass and go back to the Latin mass? (laughs) 
And then, and then literally a week later, all of these documents come out about the community of St. John and St. Gregory's Academy in Scranton, Pennsylvania area, where they dreamed of a medieval town uh, filled by Catholic values and guilds and blah, blah, blah. And everyone's speaking Latin. These guys were hardcore. Not only that, but a person who remained nameless uh, used to go to their summer camps and was never molested, but he suspects some of his friends were. And you hear this, and there is like, oh, crap. Okay, so now the scandal's of political football. I mean, we all knew it would be because we're political animals, and we tend to reduce things to a a simple on-off kind of thing. But um, categories, right. But uh, I don't know, man. There, there was an unspeakable rage, and those first two episodes were really about us venting, and that's how we processed. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I, um, and, and, and again, I don't want this to be like a big like self reflection, like you know, I don't want our podcast to be like just to be right, right. turning inward. So I, I don't want people to think that we're, do- I don't think that's what we're doing. I think this is actually an important thing to talk about because, um, uh, I think what what we got, and this is really important was we give a voice to what people felt in that moment. And we're not all and I I use the word what I use the word of feel with intention. That was about the raw emotional state that I think um, needed yeah. to be expressed and we needed to we needed to process. But what we feel isn't always a reflection of reality. And so it's, what? I know, right? I sometimes have a hard time with that. Uh, I mean, I know it's true, <laughs> but, and I'm, I'm not saying that bad crap isn't going on, that, that we need to change everything. I, I think everyone knows that I absolutely, um, I absolutely believe that. I believe the church needs to be delivered, not burnt to the ground, but do think she is being held captive um, by Babylon or like Egypt or whatever, that being like the sin of yeah. our bishops and other things like that. I, that is an end of like bureaucracy that's just killing us all. Anyways, um, but, but what's my what's my what's my point? But my, my point is that I think a lot of people in the church, when that happened, we needed to process that, and I do think we are at a point now where we're starting to move on, or we that like that's our new lived reality, and the frustration is there. I mean, it's, I'm I'm a, I'm I'm on a panel uh, this on Friday night here in Cincinnati at the Holy Spirit uh, Center. So if you hear this on. Friday night, October the 16th, I think, right? Is that Friday? Yeah. yeah. No. No, October uh, the 18th? 19th. The 19th, 19th. I can't do uh, basic math. On October the 19th, I'll be at a, I'll be um, on a panel here at the Holy Spirit Center. I believe it starts at like um, at 7 o'clock. And I'm sure it's going to be really hard to talk about it. Like, like those emotions are, gonna, are going to come back. But it's not as raw as it once was. But it took a long time oh, yeah. to just process that. And I, that's yeah. I, like that's how that's how grief that's how grief can work though. I don't think like yeah. Um, I, mean, I don't think this is like what a good uh, Reverend James was trying um, to say or anything. But I think he was just I'm giving a comment. Um, but I do yeah. But I, I agree with his comments. Jim, Father Jim, Jim, uh, Jimmy. If I could call you Jimmy, Father no. James. Oh, yeah. Nice. So thank you for your comment. And I totally totally agree. It wasn't uplifting because I didn't have uh, an ounce of uplift in my no. body. So. I mean, there it yeah. is. It was so funny when we podcasted with Barnes the following week, just being so like, I got nothing. <laughs> like it was so just like I mean, I I'm so glad it was him because it was just a guy that we could I could just be totally like, real with and like, yeah, dude, I am emotionally spent and I'm just talking with like two two of my best friends, 
and that's going to be good enough. Great. Uh, you want to talk about Steubenville? Yeah, what do you want to talk about, man? Uh, I want to talk about the article in the Catholic Catholic Register, I believe, about um, yeah. Steubenville. National Catholic Report. Yeah, sorry, the National Catholic Report. Okay, so full dis, full dis, full disclosure here. If you guys aren't aware of this, somehow we both graduated from the Franciscan University of Steubenville. Uh, we have good friends who still uh, work there. Um, uh I don't know if we should name names or not, so I'm not going to. But like we, people that we love and care about that are still there, and I would say for myself that I love that school. I still think it's the best Catholic school in in the country. And if you are a if you are a parent who has a kid who's about to go into college, I think it is probably one of the, one of their on the one of the like better options. Probably it might not be the best, but I think it should be um, looked into. Uh, anything you want to add about that? No. Okay. No, you're good. You agree? Yeah. yeah. All right. So, uh, the uh, 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 National uh, Catholic R- Reporter had and had and had an article that talked about some issues with like sexual assault on the campus and how they've been addressed, and they've been addressed um, rather poorly. And they and they specifically went after Kathy Heck. Who I believe is the director of residential life there, right? Yeah, and um, yeah, it was pretty, pretty like damaging. Um, would you want to kind of like give like you're probably uh, you are uh, you are I'm better at this than I am, like a really brief rundown of like what the article said. Yeah, so essentially, this article from the National Catholic Reporter uh, asserted that there were a handful of sexual assaults throughout the years uh, on Franciscan's campus, and. The reporter was saying that not only did it not follow Title IX requirements, um, but it especially, it went way too far by placing the burden on the person, right? So you hear this over and over again, right? And with the whole Kavanaugh thing, you hear it again, trust the woman, trust the victim, um, believe her, or whatever those those statements were. The The reality is that according to these, according to the report, that women were saying they came forward and the questions were like, what were we wearing? What were you drinking? Well, why were you wearing that off campus? And, you know, again, it's blaming the victim. One woman talked about straight up rape. Another one about groping all of these inappropriate sexual assault. Uh, And this goes to when confronted, they said, you know, essentially the line was, it's not just that we talk about consent. We go far beyond consent. And we tell them that sex only belongs in marriage. And uh, so some of them, like one of the things was the one of the victims was required, allegedly, by Kathy Heck to call home and call her parents. And if you don't, I will kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so what this did was create an environment where, you know, counseling was given, but then there were certain issues with it. Um, at one point, it seemed like administrative people wanted to know what was being said in the counseling sessions. Um, so there's a lot of, uh, there's a basic, the basic assertion is that Franciscan is not doing its job in upholding title nine regulations of which we can't speak. We didn't investigate any of this stuff, but Franciscan's position seems to be, at least is the way the article crafted it, that, you know, we care about chastity and premarital sex is obviously condemned and we are doing what we ought to do according to title nine regulations. But, 
Uh, and we're sorry if we have failed in that, but hey, you know, we're doing our darndest and all that good stuff. Yeah, and I think um, also I would add there there was there was an emphasis on with the uh, person who was accused to try to get them spiritual help as opposed to any sort of intense like punishment or anything. Yeah. And that's that's kind of what I want to get at. Like when you so when you read this article, like what were your first thoughts? Uh, my first thoughts were actually we addressed this like two years ago yeah. that chastity is not enough. You have to talk about consent. You have to. And you have to explain what these mean because people will make bad decisions. But but just because someone knows like in your mind when you're being tempted to premarital sex or to get drunk and hook up with a girl. Right. Luke, you've never done that. You've never hooked up with a girl. Um, you've never accidentally and regrettably gone too far or whatever um neither have i i promise not once once. um but the idea is like when you're when you're engaging actively in sin when you acquiesce to temptation there comes this thing where your mind just says you know what just go for it (laughs) you know like let's do this thing and if you have a lack of virtue and you don't have any guardrails installed in your heart, in your mind, and in the culture. See, that's, I think, what we're missing, right? So we know the prohibition on sex before marriage, right? And I was a virgin when I got married. We know that prohibition. And yet, and yet, there is, we also know what it's like to fall into sin and to just be like, well, you know what? I already mortal sin. Might as well keep going. Now, that's, I don't think anyone's thinking, well, might as well rape everyone, right? Like, that's not what we're saying. But what we're saying is, culturally, you need to build in these safeguards. So I remember having a conversation when I was a freshman with a woman who was a sophomore or junior. I want to say junior. And she was talking to me about some guy that she really, really liked. And so we were kind of going back and forth. And she said, um, and she's like, this guy I really liked. He never showed interest in me, though we were friends. And it was great. And I thought, oh, well, just be just friends. And then one day we were at a party. And he was a little drunk, and he came up to me, and he was like, you know, I'm really happy you're here, you know. And he was, like, leaning on me and fawning on me and all this stuff. And she said, all I wanted to do was just start kissing him. And I said, well, did you? And she goes, no, I already told you he was drunk. And I was like, okay. Like, in my mind, of course, at that time, I had never been drunk in my life. My thought was... Don't people get drunk in order to get it on, <laughs> like to kind of like deaden the voice of conscience and do it? And she said, you can't take advantage of someone like that. I was totally sober. Like, I didn't know. I mean, judging from his previous actions, he wasn't into me. He maybe just, you know, it was the alcohol and not him. She goes, how horrible would that be if I hooked up with a guy and he didn't give a crap about me and I actually cared about him? Oh, I wish I had. And I, I deceived myself in a thing. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah no kidding. So much respect. Oh, what's that like? So, anywho, she, I, just saying that to me as an upperclassman to a freshman, you know, and I didn't have any plans. I, like, I wasn't, I actually, at that time, I think I was still planning on becoming a priest um, and not dating. It didn't work out well. But uh, my whole thought was specifically, holy crap, I never even would have thought of that. I would have thought, oh, great, he's drunk. I'm going to get drunk too and let's, uh, let's hook up. And just by laying out that guideline, that became a part of my culture, mm. right? Mm hmm. You know what I mean? Like that became the the thing that you yeah. just don't do, right? Like you might go to a university that's a party university, but you know not to get drunk and get behind the wheel of a car. Like when I was in Austin and UT is right there, which is very much a party school, 6th Street was like 
five minutes from my house. That is the line of bars and restaurants and stuff. People are just obliterated walking around there. But the <laughs> taxi cabs and then, you know, Uber came later. But um, all that stuff is just right there. And the school sponsors, drivers, they hammer that into your head so that it's a part of the culture. So it's a guardrail that once you bounce up against it, you never, ever, ever, ever violate it, right? And, I mean, because it's not like any of us are going to go murder people, no matter how drunk we are or how angry we are. Those are guardrails that are in us. And if we lack virtue in regards to our anger, we might get in a fight, but our goal isn't murder. So, too, you need to push that boundary up even more. And there is culpability when you think preaching chastity. And I, and I would say this as a youth minister, I'm guilty of this. That understanding of building into my culture and understanding of, like, consent and the inability to issue consent when consuming alcohol or drugs or whatever. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. I, I, I want to uh, address probably the part that concerned me the most, although, I mean, there was a lot in that, was uh, the fact that now, um, okay, I want to add a caveat here. Um, I, I do not doubt this reporter's integrity, and it seems like she and she admits that she's a graduate from from Steubenville, and, uh, and I think she tried to provide a really uh, a, like nuanced picture. But there's just just having been on the other. Um, like having been involved in things that have been in the press in in you know the past, I've always seen. Well, that's not the whole story, you know. And so I I, I think this reporter would, this reporter would probably admit that. I mean, I don't want to speak uh, for her, so I'm just trying to say is that I understand. And I want to put it out there: there's always another side to this stuff, always. And we need. It's not fair to completely discredit that that you know that side. So I, I do want to acknowledge that, but. All that being said, um, I was really disturbed, and I guess um, really uh, I was bothered by, it, and I could also like understand this happening there. This idea of with the people who were uh, accused of doing these horrible things, they were like they're like they, um, basically their their answer was uh, was spiritual counseling. And I think that's really, really wrong on right, two levels. Right. Um, one is that's not – that's a lack of justice. You know, if a guy tries to, like, force himself onto a girl or – because there was this one guy who would um, tackle a girl in, in a, like, in a uh, self-defense class, and she could feel his erection every time. Um, just saying go to spiritual direction or go to, like, no, that's not enough. Uh, he needs to be – kicked out of school for a year or something like that you know like okay i mean think about that the woman is go- i mean think about the level of vulnerability oh, she's totally. going to a self-defense class and is being you know maybe not being assaulted formally in in what most people would conceive of it but think like her safety is now completely stripped away yeah, totally. like this is the thing that i never have to worry about neither do yeah. you yeah no um and it really bothers me that uh if this happened with like a one with like uh Say Emily or Chris or Chris or Christina. Those those are my sisters. I would have lost my freaking mind. You know, I really, really would have. I would have lost my mind. And so, um, especially now, like if that would happen to like one of my siblings, like right now, I would just be not. It'd be very, very not cool. Um, yeah, and see our episode that we actually had with Luke's yeah, sister, yeah. who was sexually assaulted on a youth group trip. 
And everyone blamed her because, in her, her immortal words, when she was in high school at the time, she liked to kiss boys. So people just dismissed her as, well, you know, she, it was her fault. Yeah, no, words. and like full dis, full dis. Like, we kind of like hashed it out on that podcast, even though we'd kind of hashed out before, but that was like the final hashing out of it. Um, anyway, so, okay, so, so, so much hash. So there's, so there's just like, again, like that part of the Um Lack of Justice in part two, and we actually. We um, like a mutual friend of ours who um, brought up that you can't have a religious answer to a um, to a human problem, and what and like uh, and like and um, what this one person um, meant by that was uh, the answer isn't more spiritual counseling. The answer right. is like real. Right. Like this person has a problem. And you have to address that problem in human terms. And yeah. to just say, oh, you just need to go to spiritual direction or go, like, you know, like, go, like, adoration more. Um, you know, the, like, kind of classic line is, if, like, this was your daughter, you'd be, like, you know, you know, you would be so, like, upset about this. Why don't you stop? Um, this guy clearly has a problem. That he's willing to do that. He, but he's willing to pin down a girl he does not know and, like, be aroused by that and, like, see that through. There's a guy who, like, there was a guy who um, a girl got drunk, passed out in a bed, and he tried to, like, feel her up and stuff and just started, like, just like this, like, just like repulsive, repulsive, yeah. horrible, like, just disgusting things. Um, you're, the fact, it's not fair to them. It's not fair to, like, of, to, the victims it's a it's a profound it's a, a profound lack of charity and prudence and justice to say oh you need you need to like just go pray this away like they need counseling they need real help they need to go to like a sex addicts group they need um their own humanity has got to be touched here i'm sorry that's a very poor i'm choice of words but um they need Real, almost psychological help, and um, praying in a way is. I mean, sorry, I know it sounds bad. Saying I'm, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to um, discount the the power of prayer, but um, no, but this is what you call spiritual bypass. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's like here's a psychological wound, a mental emotional wound, and we are trying to honestly. What happens is we bypass it using the language of spirituality, language of healing, language of whatever, without, without using the tools that human nature needs. Like, I mean, there's a reason why I, I quote Sirach 38 often, because I got a lot of friends who are physicians. I have one friend who, he's in, uh, shoot, where is he, Oxford right now? Um, studying. He was at Harvard Medical School. He was a Patriots physician. Uh, on, he had stood on the line at all the Patriots football games. Amazing dude, brilliant dude. Uh, Sirach 38, honor the physician with the honor due to him according to your need of him. For healing comes from the most high. The skill of the physician lifts up his head, and in the presence of great men he is admired. The Lord created medicines of the earth, and a sensible man will not despise them. I mean, Ooh. so just think about this. Now Now we have the next, and, and the idea of the therapeutic and the psychologist, you know, psychoanalyst, all these different things, they're not fully settled in terms of, Catholic science and uh, and what or Catholic uh, philosophy and theology like their place, but there is this reality that we need to acknowledge that 
there is a place for the psychoanalytic, the, the psychologist, the counselor. There's real healing in the mental, emotional states. And if you bypass that with saying, I'm fine, I'm praying the rosary, the Lord will heal me. The Lord can very well say, that's just like saying, I have a broken arm. I'm fine. I'm praying a divine mercy chaplet. The Lord will heal me. Maybe the Lord will do a marvelous work of healing, but he gave you a physician, right? And so the, the notion is, like, it's a double injustice when we don't give people who were totally innocent victims, but also belonging to that sphere, that unique place called a university, you know, where they're, where we, they're not really adults, that we are in charge of them and we're not giving them the thing that they need. Now, there might be a lot more nuance that we don't know about. There might have been a lot of things going on, you know, behind this where you have to use the word allegedly. But the reality is, like, people, if you need counseling, go to counseling. Luke, have you ever been to counseling? Oh, I go every five years. <laughs> like clockwork. I'm due again to go in about uh, two and a half years. Can't wait. Got to make my counseling appointment. I'll wait. Um, oh, man. Well, yeah, no, I, and I've been to counseling multiple sessions twice in my life, two separate counselors. One was on campus at Franciscan. The other one was a guy that I paid for with my insurance, like a big boy. And uh, I, I can tell you there is a lot of power in it. Um, there's also a lot of annoyance when, when you feel like people aren't listening to the problem. They're like, well, you know, St. Therese says. And you're like, oh, no. I mean, like, I can use that as a bookend or at the end as a spiritual connection. But, like, let's focus on the emotional, mental right now. Yeah, I'm not. And I think that people, like, you can't solve these problems with philosophy. Why do you think you can solve these problems with theology? Yes, there might be a ultimately a deep Satan causing demonic things to happen. But come on. Come on. We need to do this. We need to invest in the mental health of people who are victims according who are fall under our care. Yeah. And I, I just um, – and I guess this is – and I posed this question on Twitter and it wasn't – and I, I mean I kind of – and I also opened myself up to this. But I was kind of annoyed by a few of the reactions, but whatever. That's why I'm trying to go to Patreon now. What? Is I think there's this thing where a lot of Catholic teaching, we – because like see it as this, like we're trying as this like one ideal that we're trying to strive towards or like strive for as opposed to this thing that in that informs my life and i think that's kind of dangerous because we basically paint god in our own image of what we want him to be and so i think it's where you get a lot of this, like like you know, like this whole idea of god as the like all serving like counselor slash like butler slash like feel good friend yeah the therapeutic deism yes, that's the therapeutic therapy deism. like you yeah like god is like hey i gave you doctors go go do the doctor thing i think this is where this is the diminishment of a fideist perspective you know what fideism is you ever heard uh, of that yeah but refresh my memory so you have rationalism on one side which denies faith any content and then you have fideism on the other side which denies reason any content captain america so the reason man? can't actually <laughs> always couched in terms of marvel movies um but so the the fideist is distrusting of, of reason in order to give us truth so the fideist would say unless it's catholic i'm not going to believe it so there might be profound truths using unaided human reason that someone like sigmund freud who is obsessed with sex over sexualizes things you know a whole host of problems with freud but he also got at something rather powerful and potent in understanding the ego, the superego, and the id, and 
you know, the subconscious is, is really the, the ultimate form that kind of endures. Um, and the notion of talk therapy, like talking through problems in the safety of an adult revisiting trauma experience as a child and talking it through brings a lot of healing into people's lives, you know, a lot of healing into people's yep. lives. Yep. And so, um, you know, I think this is kind of the beautiful side of Jesus who constantly asks questions when people ask him questions. It wasn't just to confuse his enemies. I mean, I think, honestly, it really was. But uh, there, there's an element where it's like, no, you tell me. Like, quit asking me for all the answers. You tell me and let me listen. Um, and there's a, there's a part of our Catholic faith, and, and this is why we do our show, Discussion Over Instruction, where people want to bypass instruction or bypass discussion. Because discussion involves listening. It's discursive. Mm -hmm. It involves listening. Well, and you people just want to talk like I do. Go. No, and um, <laughs> no. Um, I think, too, it involves, like, if it's scary. When you have to admit that you don't have, you don't have the answers and you have to actually do work to, like, do the healing, that's scary and it's hard. And I get that. Like, there are plenty of times in my, like, in, um, in my life where I just wanted God to heal me but i think if he had i wouldn't have grown the ways that i have you know like we have to fail in order to like i i, I would so much rather have like the freedom to do what i want and i i, I mean like like what like to like just like act and live than to be a robot and if yeah. and if and if god just like instantly healed all of our problems i feel like i'll just become a robot like all the time i mean i, I not like i do want to add i believe the lord always wants it's to not heal it's us. not just that you're yeah it's not just that you're a robot though if that's how it works all the time always he's infantilizing you yeah 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 like like i want it like i think he wants us to like i want in a weird way like to not experience pain i like then like what do you have to lose you know, yeah. I, I don't know. Yes, yeah, the old Jewish rabbi, he who has never suffered, what could he possibly know? Yeah. Like, yeah. there is much wisdom in suffering. And, I, and again, I mean, I'm, I'm a big, like, advocate of if God isn't really, uh, if he is, like, healing you in, your, in, like, you know, like, in your life right now, we, you have to, like, recheck your own relationship with because God, um, he reveals and heals. <clears throat> Sorry about that. But, uh. But that being said, one way is that I believe that, that the Lord does, like, heal us is through, you know, the quote-unquote long game, you know. And, that and like, that quite often can involve going to, you know. I, 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 yeah. I just can't believe we have to encourage people to go to doctors. I know. Like, I know. I've had a pain in my knee that's mysterious, and I haven't gone to a doctor. Why, Gomer? Why? <laughs> Because I'm afraid of what they'll say. But seriously, like, the boiling it down, you know, come on. Come on. We need to help people when they're under our jurisdiction and spiritual uh, authority. We need to help them, not just spiritually. Spiritually is an accompaniment through it. But we need to bring them to the places where they need healing. And here's the beautiful thing. Things like healing the whole person with Bob Schutz and all that stuff. Like, he's a psychologist by trade. Like, He's not there to quote scripture at you, and that's it. Like, mm -hmm. I do believe God the Father can heal in powerful ways. The Holy Spirit can enter our lives in amazing ways, but only if that's what's best for us, you know? And so for a lot of Catholics, I think um, 
the desire for instantaneous healing is the desire for mommy and daddy to fix everything. Yeah. Yeah. And he, you know, it's it's an infantilizing thing. And I want to add that um we both love Steubenville and I, w- I would imagine that <laughs> all of our friends that um that work there would agree with us. I could be wrong. Um but you know, I'm not trying to say anyone. I'm sure I I just see this pro- I mean, I like we have definitely experienced that when we were there. Uh Yeah. Yeah, and let me correct what I just said. I it's not the desire for healing is infantilizing. I, I I would love Jesus to instantly heal me of all my past, like, porn addiction stuff and any residue that comes from it and all that jazz. But what I'm saying is uh, the notion that bypasses the long work of healing, right? I think healing is more involved than just that. So if someone bypasses, like, counseling for the sake of, like, just pray more, you know, I think that's wrongheaded yeah. and not Catholic. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, that's what I meant. Okay. Yeah. Did we beat that to to death? I think we obliterated the shit Good. out of it. All right, church militant. What a bunch of assholes! <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> let's let's talk about that later. <laughs> let's talk about that on a different thing. So, Luke, Luke, will you do me a favor and just sign us out so we can end this podcast? All right, everyone. Uh, this has been awesome. Thank you very much. Uh, please, we're, we're going to kind of like uh, put a lot of our continual conversations away from the Facebook stuff and put it onto the Patreon page of, um, and it's going to be at, at like, um, I think like a lot of stuff that, that I'm going to try to do from here on out will be for, for like everyone on there. We will have like certain things that will be for $10 a month, 25, you know, uh, that's 10 to 30. And then we like have the, 50, and then we, uh, have the $50 a month, but we do go as low as two or $5 and you will have access. Yeah. You can donate anything you want. Yeah. You can donate yeah. $1. So, like, you don't have to donate a ton of money or something like that, but to get the different rewards, which in the past have been scant. Yeah. <laughs> we are not very good well, at, and at it's doing all it's, that Yeah, stuff. Well, it's so much work. Um, we, are, we are not Matt Fred. Yeah, it's so much work. <laughs> so um, we're going to, like, just, like, keep working. We're going to keep on working at this. It's not going to be, like, perfect, but I think what I, what I want to do it's, you know, kind of just take all the things going on over at the Facebook and on the Twitter account, which has been great. But I, I want to move that more over to the Patreon page so we can have so we can kind of have a uh, Catching Foxes community there. So if you would like to be a part of that, go to patreon.com slash CF. Again, that is P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash 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 C-F. And join the and join the conversation. Thank you to our good good buddies over at Shared Jesus. Check out the Shared Jesus podcast on on iTunes. That's going to be awesome. And yeah, I think that's it. Boom. Yeah, you know what I'm super excited about, Luke. If we see, here's a great thing, people, about Patreon. So Facebook might give us more listeners, which is why we kind of maintain it, right? Because new people are coming. Blah, blah, blah. But Patreon allows us, number one, to serve those who actually give us money. But number two, you can post stuff on Patreon totally for free that anyone could see. And and you posted, I think you posted the the uh, survey on there. Uh, Patreon just gives, it's just a website that gives you access to some tools. And so for those of you who are friends on Facebook who don't want to donate, you don't have to donate. You pay us the ultimate, ultimate compliment by just listening. But... Um, the idea is if we shift over to Patreon, we can actually spend our time with people who are giving us money, which I think we would all agree makes sense. 
but at the same time, it doesn't mean that the content disappears. It just goes to a website as opposed to Facebook. And with all the shady crap Facebook is doing lately, have you been noticing mm-hmm. any of that stuff? Mm-hmm. I would like to get my... I mean, the only reason why I'm still on Facebook is for Catching Foxes. I would get off it tomorrow if I could. Yeah, I still... That's how I stay in touch with my ex and I almost, I almost thought you were going to say your ex or your ex-girlfriend. <laughs> That's how I stay in touch with my ex-girlfriends via Facebook, so why would I get rid of it? No, Luke, you make a good argument. <laughs> you're, not, you're not wrong, Luke. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. But also, that boy ain't right. All right, thank you all for listening. All right, ending in the quick time in three, two, one. Whoa, hold on. What? Hold what? on. What? 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 What?